Hey guys, what's up? My name is Raylia Lewis, and welcome back to Everything is Everything. On today's show, I want to talk about something that I feel like is very important. I'm just so tired of this hate culture. Everybody thinks that everybody's hating on them. Like, you don't even have a freaking pot to piss in, a window to throw it out of. And you think that because somebody sees something differently or because somebody has a preference for something or a better way of doing something, that it's hate. I mean, people could be further along in their careers, can have the credentials, could have the expertise. And because you're so immature and so ruled by your ego, you will see their constructive criticism and them wanting to look back and give you a hand as hate or an attack on you and your career. And I think that is so ridiculous. We have to learn to be discerning about the people we surround ourselves with. We have to be aware of our own our own harmful thought processes and our own egos. And we have to know how to be flexible and how to be moldable. I think that far too often in life, especially in business, we think that we know everything, especially when we're young. We think that we have everything figured out. We think that our way is the best way. And newsflash, there's always a better way to do something. And the object, the objective is to work smarter and not harder. And that's where finding mentors and really surrounding yourself with with people who are doing great things on a higher level is important. As an entrepreneur, we're constantly searching for reassurance, new skills, and customer support. In every field, there will be people who have mastered what we're trying to achieve. And having people around you who are better than you at your craft can be beneficial to your growth. When I was trying to find my path in modeling, I had no guidance and no direction. When I tell y'all that I was shooting all kinds of images that just didn't correlate with my vision, like my alignment was completely off. But at that time, I was operating from my level of understanding and creativity. So I thought I was popping. I thought that everybody else was, you know, wrong about me. I thought I had it going on. And many people who loved me told me that I was great. They told me that I was popping. But I learned that their support for me wasn't necessarily pushing me forward. Your supporters don't always understand what it takes to do what you do professionally. So immersing yourself with validation from people who love you and who aren't in your field can be tricky. It's easy to get addicted to the praise and love. And it's even easier to continue to do things incorrectly or in an amateurish fashion because you're addicted to popularity or admiration. That's where great advice and mentors come into play. On today's episode, 
I'll be co-hosting with my boyfriend, Malik Jackson, who owns a fitness boxing gym in Northern Liberties. We'll be discussing the best advice we've ever received, mentorship, learning to ignore our egos, and maturing in business. Hey, Malik. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Bye. So please tell the listeners more about who you are and what you do. My name is Malik Jackson. I'm a personal trainer. Um, I own a gym in the North and Liberty section of Philadelphia. Malik Jackson Fitness Boxing Gym. I got my start at Johan's Boxing Gym um, like seven and a half years ago when I came home. Nice. So this episode is all about understanding the difference between hate culture versus constructive criticism. Now, for the people who are listening, hate culture is the idea that everything that someone says that doesn't correlate or align with who you are, who you think you are, and what you do is hate. So I want to get you guys to understand how important constructive criticism is and how often we sometimes miss out on great advice because we're so ruled by our egos that we think that someone who thinks differently is hating on us or intimidated by us. So for that reason, Malik, my first question for you is, what was the best piece of advice you've ever received that wasn't necessarily a compliment? Um, that's a, that's a good question. Let me see. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, well, when, when I was locked up, so I was serving a 10-year sentence, and I had a trainer named Lou Brown, and he was back and forth in prison for like maybe 20, 27 odd years. Wow. At the time, yeah. Um, and he had a bad reputation in prison, so um, he was known as a, a fuck-up um, or whatnot. But we had a pact that when we come home, we was going to take this training stuff to another level. And um, I remember while we were approaching our release dates, <clears throat> we was walking in the prison yard one summer day, and I stopped him on the track. And I asked him, I said, um, what guarantee can you give me that when you go home, you're not going to fuck up and come back and then, you know, leave me out there? And he looked at me and said, Malik, I don't owe you nothing. Like, I live my life. I don't owe you no guarantee. It's up to you to go home and do what you want to do, with me or without me. So that, that piece of advice always, always, um, always kept it close to me. Nice. So basically, don't depend on anybody. Get it done yourself. One monkey don't stop no show. Absolutely. One man, one armband. That's important. So for me, the best piece of advice I've ever received was after America's Next Top Model. I was living in L.A. and I lived there for about a year. And before completing the show... The prize for the winner was a contract with Next Models, which is a huge modeling agency. And it's in a few different states, but of course, that was in California. So all of my castmates, including myself, we were really looking forward to getting a contract. Like, even if we didn't win, a contract was like the next best thing. Unfortunately, I wasn't offered the contract, and I was very disappointed. Like, I saw... My other castmates who didn't last as long as I did on the show get offers. And I'm out here like, what about me? You know, when you're on a 
TV show and you have all of these expectations surrounding you now that all of the eyes are on you and everybody that loves you is excited. You kind of just want to live up to these expectations. You want everybody to be proud of you. So I was just like stunned that they didn't want to pick me. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that they didn't want to pick me because I wasn't really packaged correctly. I think that so far often in life, we think that we're a lot better than what we really are. And we think that we're ready for things that we didn't really work for or master yet. So as much as I wanted to believe at the time that my race played a major role in that decision, I think looking back now, it was more so my packaging more than it was my race. And I'm not saying that to say that being a black model isn't hard or that there aren't obstacles in place when you are a black model. But just just because you're rejected doesn't mean that every single time it's about your race. Sometimes you're just not ready. You're just not packaged. And that was just what my story was at that time. But I didn't have anybody around me to tell me that my book was shitty. So one day, a photographer that I loved, like I was a huge fan of his, he shot me a few times while I was still living in Philly and he was living in New York. And when I got on the show, we kept in contact because I was a huge fan of his. So for that reason, I don't remember how the conversation came into play. I don't know who called who. But what I do remember is that I was sitting in LAX. I was about to fly to Philly for a booking and I was just waiting at the terminal and we were having a conversation and he was asking me about my plans, my goals. And I can tell that, well, I could tell that he was trying to kind of like test me, walk on eggshells because he wanted to tell me something important, but he didn't want to offend me. But I was like all ears. Like I wanted to hear what he had to say. So what he told me was that, as a model, you have to be very discerning about what you're shooting and the photographers that you're collaborating with. He also said that he couldn't really tell what my angle was from the images that I was producing or displaying online. And he said that if I wanted to model professionally, I had to know what my look was and I had to know what kind of modeling I wanted to do and then create a book surrounding that. And I think that that advice was the best advice I've ever received. And it immediately ignited some fire under my ass and a light bulb went off in my head. And from that point on, I knew to look and do my research. I knew that I had to have a certain eye. I knew that I had to be, like he said, discerning about the photographers I was shooting with, and also the way I looked in the photos, down to my makeup, my styling, my hair. So he really helped me like hone in on like how I should look and what I should be doing. And I think that if I was too caught up in my ego and being on reality TV and America's Next Top Model, I really could have missed an opportunity to grow. So I'm so happy that I was desperate to um, get signed, that I was willing to listen to almost anybody. And that, that advice came at the perfect time. So I really think that you guys have to be open to learning and to all advice, because if you're not where you want to be, it's for it's that for a reason. Like you cannot think that you know everything. You cannot think that everybody's against you. 
you have to put in that work and you have to evolve in every field and in every way. I've always admired the fact that you have mentors. How important is having a mentor in business? Thank you. Um, having a mentor in business is very important, especially if you're trying to achieve any type of success because you're definitely going to run into um, obstacles. And you need those people that you can lean on that and say, hey, you know, here's the next move. Avoid this. So uh, um, in my case... I'm with my mentor three days, four days a week. Wow. Yeah. Lucky you. Yeah. And then, you know, we together so much, we, we developed neither like a, a business relationship, like a father and son relationship. So, so it's like it exceeds like a friendship. It definitely exceeds a friendship. So you would say like y'all like family. Yeah. Um, wow. If you, if you see the way my ass is handed to me when I mess up, um, <laughs> a lot of people would... Um, the egos will get in the way, but... <clears throat> so he's hard on you. Yeah, yeah, he's super hard on me. I think me. that's important. He want, um, That means he cares. Yeah, and he he just come from that father standpoint and from that, you know, I want you to be the, the best version of yourself. And you can't pay for that. And that's like having a key to a room that everybody needs to be in, but you only allow them. Is it... it so that's what mentors do, uh, do. Okay. I've never had a mentor. I'm like low-key jealous because I wish I did. Because when you have someone in your life who knows more, who's accomplished the things that you want to accomplish, it really helps you avoid a lot of mistakes, like the rookie amateurish mistakes. And it also prepares you for more. Like, I believe that experience is the best teacher. But having a mentor can just fine-tune so many things in your life and your career. I think that it's really important that if you don't have a mentor, you learn how to create one in your head. And I know that might sound a little crazy, but hear me out. And be coachable. Definitely be coachable. be coachable. Definitely be coachable. I think that personal development is vital, um, whether you have a mentor or not. I think that you can be mentored in unauthentic or unorthodox, I'm sorry, unorthodox or unconventional ways. Not unauthentic. That was the wrong word to use. But what I mean by that is that I've met people in 10 minutes that have given me great advice that I still carry with me. I may not have their phone numbers. I may never see them again. I might not even know their freaking names. Right. But I will never forget what they taught me or what they told me or how they made me feel. For example, when I was in L.A., I was walking down the street one day and I was really frustrated because I was going to an audition to try to get signed. And at that time, every agency was telling me no and slamming the door in my face. This was post-top model, so I really felt like I had something to prove. There was a lot of pressure, and I felt like the world was on my shoulders. I had just moved to L.A. I sold my car, quit my job. So I was in, like, my, my back was against the wall. I was in a very tight predicament, and I was really scared. So I'm walking down the street one day. I still remember, like, how hot it was, how the street looked, everything. And this, like, weird-looking white guy stops me and, and is like, hey, do you model? 
And if you've never lived in L.A., I want to paint a picture for you. Everybody in L.A. is important, or at least they will have you believe that they are. You will meet so many people who will try to solicit you, try to team up with you to do things, and who are people are just like overselling themselves every single day in L.A. It's like super surfacey and fake. So I had my spidey senses on, like I really didn't trust this guy, but I also didn't want to just mess miss out on somebody who could help me achieve my goals. You never know, you can't judge a book by its cover. So I agreed to meet with him. I picked a place near my house, somewhere in public that I was comfortable with, and we sat down and we talked. And we probably talked for about an hour, and this guy gave me so much great advice. At this time, I was really confused about life. I was really upset with people in my past. So I was harboring like ill will and negative feelings. And I really was just upset about not winning top model. I was embarrassed. I was disappointed. And I really felt like I wasn't going to make it, but I still wanted to at least give myself a chance. So I was like determined to try, but I was kind of operating from a place of lack or failure. And he really helped me to identify those limitations and those negative mentalities. And he helped me to see the world in a different way. He also recommended a book called The Secret, and he wanted me to read it. He talked a lot about the law of attraction and manifestation, and I had no idea what any of these concepts were at the time. And after the conversation, I really didn't jump into the book or any of his advice, but he planted a a seed in my mind because when I went to Africa about six months later, and I was at my breaking point one day, and I was just tired and I was depressed and I was just an emotional wreck. My mind went right to that conversation and I purchased the secret. I read it. I watched the documentaries and I really started to understand universal laws and really understand like my own potential and my own personal power. So even though I don't know the guy's name, I've never seen him. I probably couldn't even point him out in a crowd. That conversation was so profound that I even pull from that experience to this day. So it's always great to just have someone in your life that is further along in their paths who can, you know, kind of pull back and help you see things differently and help you just avoid common mistakes, but also help you to see yourself for who you truly are. And you have to be able to see your shortcomings and your flaws just as well as you can see your potential and your talents and creativity. Do you mentor any aspiring trainers or entrepreneurs? Um, I have a young guy um, by the name of Ender that came into our gym. Your Wait. gym, our gym. That's your gym. Came into our gym. Thanks. About maybe... Um, a year ago, and he grew, he grew on us, and we, we came to like him. He was being bullied because of his, his religion. He's from a, a Sikh religion, and so one of the um, things that they got to cover their hair with, like, um, a covering, like some turban, 
And he was telling me, like, you know, I'm getting bullied or whatever. I said, you know, I train you for free. And, you know, of course, he hung around the gym after we were done training. So we kind of gave him a job at the gym, man. Nice. And, you know, we just, we keeping him around, man. We like him. And, yeah, so that's the only people that we're doing right now. Okay, so you've had a successful experience with mentoring someone. Absolutely. I wish I could say the same. (laughs) (laughs) So, like Malik, I discovered this incredible girl, like gorgeous, aspiring model. I have an accessory line called Shop Accessorized, and I find beautiful girls on IG, I contact them, and I hire them to shoot my accessories. And I shoot these girls myself. Shooting means, like, with my professional camera. People always are like, shoot. I mean, like, I take pictures of these girls wearing my accessories. And I meet a lot of girls, and each time I meet a girl, we talk, they ask questions, I give them advice. It's kind of like a fun experience where I get to kind of just pour into another black woman I enjoy it, but I never really looked past, like, that photo shoot. I wasn't trying to, like, manage anybody or really have play a role in anybody's life. Like, I, I'm still young. I'm still my main priority. I didn't want to promise anybody anything and then not deliver because I know how it feels to be disappointed. And I also know how needy and entitled models can be. So I've always, like, shied away from, like, that mentor relationship, but this girl just stuck out to me. Like, I just felt good about her. She was, like I said, she's beautiful. She was so kind. She seemed like she was flexible and willing to be moldable. So I decided to offer her a contract where I would take on a position as her mother agent. And what a mother agent does is they develop scout and place models with different agencies. I have a mother agent. I've had several in my career. I know what it takes. I know that I can learn what it is that I need to know to push a girl that I believe in forward. So I was willing to take on the responsibility and the assignment. And when I do anything, I make sure that I do my research. I make sure that I give a thousand percent. So we talked. She was excited. I was excited. We signed the contract. And we said, you know, we got the ball rolling. We said, let's get it started. Now, this was about around the Christmas holiday. So she was on break with her family. So I told her, like, as soon as the new year comes, we'll get started. So when the new year came, I already had a plan. She needs digitals. She needs better pictures. We need to rebrand her whole look. We need to fix her IG account. We need to get her ready to go pro. I told her my plans. I started to look up studios. I hired a photographer to shoot her digitals, which are very important. And then the next step was to just start hiring photographers to shoot her portfolio. Our first issue that I didn't make an issue, but it was an issue for me, was that her mother was immediately too involved. As soon as we signed the contract, her mom was just like, basically like ask her a question about what I was going to do and just had too much of a voice in our our business relationship. And I felt like that wasn't appropriate because I was dealing with an adult 
and I didn't want to deal with a mother. I wanted to deal with her daughter. So that was like the first sign where I was like, oh no, like maybe I'm in over my head. But I still tried to like keep a positive mentality and really still hold on, like hold up my end of the deal. Next issue was that she was just, she wasn't patient. She kept approaching companies and photographers and people on her own. She even like flew to Atlanta to have a photo shoot. A photographer actually flew her out and he was a guy. And I was concerned about that because I'm like, listen, you're young, you're beautiful. You can't just let guys like book you flights and fly you out to shoot you. Like you have to know that the world isn't the safest place and that people have bad intentions. And I'm not accusing this photographer of having bad intentions. You just have to expect that people in the world do have bad intentions, especially when you're a naive, beautiful young model. So I tried to like shield her, protect her. I really had like the best intentions with this girl. Like, and what was great was that she wasn't necessarily looking for like me to sponsor her or pay for her opportunities. Like she told me from the beginning, like, listen, girl, like I'll have my own money. I'll work. I'll save. Don't worry about paying for anything. I don't need any advancements. Like I'm going to work for it. So we were good. What sealed the deal and what ended our, our business relationship was that she really wanted to do New York fashion week. And she started to approach designers based in New York on her own without my knowledge. I already told her that I wasn't trying to control her, that if she ever felt like she wanted to walk away from the contract, it would be no big deal. She would have my full support. I wasn't like too overbearing or too upset or too controlling. Like I gave her free range, but I also wanted some kind of respect, especially if I'm going to be putting my time and my resources into you. I have to feel like I'm protected and that you value my input as well. So Long story short, a photographer, not a photographer, a designer actually showed interest in having her walk for their fashion show during New York Fashion Week. But the catch with New York Fashion Week is that almost any designer can go to New York City and have their own New York Fashion Week showcase. So she's like, oh my God, a fashion designer wants to use me for their show. It's for New York Fashion Week. I'm so excited. So as her manager, I'm like, What's the rate? Like, that's great. Of course they want to use you. You're great. How much are they going to pay you? Because as your manager, I can't let you go out into the world working for free. Like, I have to make sure that you are being paid for your time, for your services. And that question immediately offended her. Like, she was so upset. I couldn't understand why she was so angry. And she immediately shot back at me like, I can't believe you're not happy for me. I can't believe how arrogant you are and how you're trying to make me feel small because I'm not receiving money. And I still to this day don't understand why that was her approach. Because as a model who has a mother agent and an agent, they're not going to have my ass out here doing anything for free. There's been times where big companies have reached out to me to work with me. And my mother agent was like, you deserve more money. She didn't tell me not to do the job, but she told me what I was worth. And I'm not going to sit there and argue with her because she's right. I think that there has to be a certain level of professionalism and respect when you have an agent. Like, you can't blur the lines between we're friends. Like, this is business. I don't care how young I am. I don't care how cool I am. 
you, you're going to respect me. And I just felt like she was disrespectful. She was confrontational. She continued to send me like very aggressive voice memos and she just wouldn't let it go. Like, and I tried my best. I was trying to be patient. I was trying to see where she was coming from, meet her where she was at, but still also stay firm on what I believed. And she made it very difficult and she made it to the point where I was actually starting to get a headache because she just wouldn't stop. And I'm like, girl, get out of your own way. Like, you're not right. Get out of your ego. Nobody thinks they're better than you. I'm just trying to tell you that you shouldn't be doing anything for free while I'm your manager. And I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. Nothing I said was right. So for that reason, I had to end the relationship. Of course, that offended her. She blocked and unblocked me on Instagram. And she was just so upset. She just felt like, I guess I turned my back on her. And she just felt like everything that she thought I was was a lie. And I was okay with her thinking that because my mental health is more important. When I felt a headache coming on from this disagreement, I said, no, no, this is not going to happen because this is her personality. This is who she is. The way people treat you when they're upset with you is a clear indication of what the road is going to look like whenever y'all have a bump. My issue wasn't that we had a disagreement. My issue was the way that she was handling me throughout this disagreement. Not only was it not a big deal, but it didn't have to define our relationship or our newfound friendship, and it did. And she just wasn't benefiting my life in a way where I was willing to take a hit mentally or emotionally to keep her in my life. Like the idea of who she could be or what she could become, her potential, just wasn't worth my headache or my headspace. So I had to make an executive decision and I chose to wash my hands, you know, of the situation. And I was okay with her not understanding that, but I was just so disappointed that it ended so abruptly and that it ended in that way. But I had to be at peace with it because I knew that I did nothing wrong. And what that situation taught me was that when somebody is immature Anything you say that is different or that doesn't align with what they believe is going to be an attack. That's just what it is. And when someone is committed to misunderstanding you, when someone is committed to not liking you, there's nothing you can do to change that. So I wish her the best. I tried. And I'm not going to lie and act like that experience doesn't make me even more leery about extending my hand to another model. So I'll give you all the advice, but as far as like me really taking an active role in your career, I'm afraid because I don't want the hassle. I don't want the drama. I would love to help, but I don't want a headache. I don't want to have to argue with people. I don't want bad vibes or bad energy, especially when I'm pouring more into the relationship than I'm receiving. And I can just think of so many situations where I helped a friend or somebody and then the first time we had a disagreement, it was like World War Three. 
I do not have time for that kind of energy, especially when I can look back and think of a time where you helped me. So I do love the idea of having a mentee, but if it's going to come with drama and with chaos, I'll mind my business first. My mental health is more important and I'm just not willing to meet people at places or in places that are detrimental to my mental health. So this is my last question. Do you have any advice for aspiring trainers? Um, my advice for aspiring trainers would be to make sure you got yourself together on a legal tip. Because mm. a lot of y'all are hustling especially the, the new up-and-coming trainers, just to get your name out there and just to get a quick dollar in your pocket. Um, but you don't want to qu- cripple yourself because you're doing all that legwork and you don't really, you don't, you don't exist. And I'll give you a, give you a story um, and a piece of advice that my mentor gave to me. Um, like a month ago um, when we was training, and he said, I'm going to tell, tell you a story about a friend. Um, named such and such, and he was a um, he was a tennis player, and he was a tennis trainer. He used to train people. And he used to make good money, charge people two hundred dollars an hour, and um, he did it for years. Had the nice cars, all the jewelry. And he was a man in town, and um, he had suffered some injuries, you know, wear and tear, you know, on the job. So he needed his knees replaced, but he refused to get it. So my mentor told me that he offered to, at that time, put him in contact with his people who would get um, disability insurance to cover his knees. So they changed information and he hooked him up with the guy. And the guy, um, probably about like a week later, called my mentor back and he says, yo, who, who is this guy you sent me? He don't exist. And he was like, what, what do you mean? Right, like what? Yeah. So what was explained was that he did all that hustling and bustling and got everything just to get a quick dollar in his pocket. And he found success doing it. But the fruits of his labor didn't pay off because he didn't exist legally. So he couldn't retire from that. It, it was he couldn't take that to the bank and get hey I worked for twenty years I worked for ten years and this what the company produced and I want um take a loan out I want to do this I want to build this so basically he doesn't qualify for like a pension or anything Nothing. like that because he you didn't pay into a four hundred one k or retirement plan no you don't you don't exist you, you don't didn't file taxes no you don't exist mm. yeah it's like. You just a trainer. You training people, but make sure your your legal work is. Make sure you start your company. Make sure you um, you get a card for your company. Make sure everything runs through that company card. Um, get yourself an accountant. Get yourself a lawyer. You know these are the people that you need. Get yourself a mentor. These are the people that you need. Um, and all these IG motivational speeches that you hear, you wake up to. They good in addition of all the hard work and all the things that we mentioned here. 
So um, don't just rely on those things, that, those superficial things. Um, you need somebody that really been there, that really been through the trenches and, and, and know what it feel like mm-hmm. to be in the mud and know what it tastes like. And on those sunny days, they can walk in and talk to you like, yo, it's sunny out. Well, let me tell you about the muddy days, though. So you need those. Wow. That was definitely, like, some great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for co-hosting with me today. Always. So on today's show, I'll be introducing a brand new segment called the IG Meme of the Week. Each week, I'll introduce a brand new meme. Some will be crazy. Some will be relationship-based. Some will be about business or spirituality. Who knows? But I'll be talking about them, unpacking my perspectives, and bringing them right to you. So yesterday, I ran across a meme several times. And the first time, it didn't really resonate with me. But after seeing it like four or five times, I'm like, okay, all right. So I just feel, I feel compelled to speak on it now that I saw it so much. So the Ming basically spoke about people trying to be uplifting or inspirational while using sarcastic messaging. And I said, hmm, because I knew exactly what they were talking about. And I don't agree. This whole false positivity movement drains me, y'all. I got to be honest. I don't know about you, but I want what's real. I'm inspired by things that I can relate to. You know, things that resonate with me on all levels. I think that we're all motivated by different things. But to try to filter or limit someone's voice or experience to what makes you comfortable is super dismissive and self-serving. Life isn't always positive. We have to feel. We experience so many emotions. We're not always happy. We should be able to reach out and to be heard and be seen even when we're vulnerable. The people and the experiences we encounter aren't always great. They aren't always good. For that reason, I think that it's important that we speak from exactly where we are, where we are at that moment. How can you heal without truth? Why are you even agitated that someone else is voicing their experiences on their platform from where they are at that moment? The always positive mentality is nothing more than fluff, rose-colored glasses, or an illusion. It's a facade. When we speak on the Holocaust, for example, do we only discuss the characters of each individual murdered, how kind they were, how much they smiled and laughed? Or do we focus on the heinous murders and crimes committed? In life, sometimes we can't find the positivity in every experience, but what we can do is choose to use our voices to bring forth change. We can describe how we survived the things we once thought could destroy us. And we could talk about what we have learned from them. When a woman chooses to call out her boss 
for misogyny, hypothetically speaking, should she only speak on the positive things her boss did or should she highlight the reasons for why she's calling him out? You know, just think about it. I think that people are searching for hope so much that they tend to water down reality. Like, if you want hope, Peter Popoff is selling hope every day on TV and taking donations, okay, to purchase his latest Bentley. If that's your thing, if you want to give people your money to promise you things that aren't real, there's a lane for that. There's an opportunity to do that. You just might not find that here. And I think that you have to find your people. And you don't have to be judgmental or negative about things that you don't understand. You can just choose not to consume them or support them. So it's time for my brand new segment. What am I watching right now? So I'm finally getting around to watching The Last Dance. I'm super late because it premiered in like April, but I'm watching it. So don't judge me. Now, I'm no basketball connoisseur. I can't give you anybody's starting lineup. I don't know anybody's stats, but I know that I've always loved MJ. I mean, like who doesn't? He's the freaking greatest athlete or one of the greatest athletes of our time. So when I heard about this documentary and I saw all the ruckus on social media, I was interested and I had to tune in. And I have to say that I'm happy and pleased with what I'm watching. Like I'm not finished the entire series, but I'm already like so inspired. Like, I don't know about you, but I love to watch people win. I want to learn everything that you had to do to win. I just like to be around winners, even if I'm watching you through my TV screen and I just love watching the transition from I'm a nobody, am I good enough, damn I felt maybe I'm not good enough to I'm a motherfucking legend, like I'm MJ. Like that transition, that caterpillar to butterfly phase is so important. And everybody has to go through that, but so often in life we get so caught up in like the end result, where they are now, that we never stop to look at what it took for them to get there. And I think that's what's good about this documentary. And also just watching how these people, these athletes who came from impoverished backgrounds, who went through their own personal hurdles, all evolved and grew up to be these incredible athletes, They all became a part of something that was way bigger than what any of them could have ever imagined. And they just, they're legendary. Like, they all started out not knowing where they would end up, and then they ended up in the biggest franchise ever in NBA history. I think it's so inspiring. I think that we can't write people off. We don't know who we're 
encountering on a day-to-day basis. And half the time, we don't even know who we are and who we can become. And that's why we cannot be defined by nose. We cannot be defined by current circumstances. And we have to be willing to just put that work in and evolve and just get better. You know, MJ got cut from his first basketball team. How crazy is that? And look who he is. Even learning that when he was drafted that nobody really believed that he would ever measure up to who he is now is like bizarre as hell. And that's normally how things are. So when people write you off, when you write yourself off, you don't know shit, they don't know shit. They all could be wrong. And that's the beautiful thing about life is that it's often unexpected And it's almost always rewarding in the end. Another thing that stood out to me from watching The Last Dance is just like when you're at the height of your career, there will still be problems. There is never a problem-free moment in life. And it's all about what you choose to focus on. Scottie Pippen, for example, number two on the roster, just as good as MJ. The Robin to Batman is being fucked over by the franchise. He's being underpaid, publicly humiliated, and not receiving his just due. On the outside looking in, this guy is on top of the world. But when you see these intricate details, when you have a bird's eye view on what's real, what these guys are really experiencing... They struggling too. You know, we're all struggling with something. And seeing these guys deal with life just shows you that it's normal. That life is hard for everybody. No one has it perfect or easy, you know? And it's all about just choosing to show up anyway. It's all about choosing to maximize on your potential and on the time that you have here on this earth. So thanks for tuning in, like always, and I hope to see you guys back here next week on Everything is Everything. See ya.